what to do if your dream changes and blooming where you are planted. From hunter jumpers to fox hunting and now gardening and saving feral cats, Katie Thomas talks about her role at the Lincoln Memorial University College of Veterinary Medicine and her career as a thriving equine professional. Let's grow, Thrivers. Hey, friend. Welcome to the Thriving Equine Professional. Are you wondering how to make connections to build a career in the equine industry? Not sure where to look for the support you'll need to land a dream job? Maybe you're feeling frustrated or stuck. Hey, I'm Jody. I was that girl with no clue how to navigate landing a great career in animal health, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. I look back and cannot believe the roles I've landed and the people I call friends. Inside this podcast, you will meet key connections, build your career confidence, and find the advice you may not know you need. So if you're ready to grow your career and thrive in a job that you are passionate about, you're in the right place. Get the ponies fed and fill those water buckets. It's time to grow, girl. Welcome back to episode 15, Thrivers. I cannot believe we are already on episode 15. And today, I, I probably should have hit record, Katie, 10 minutes ago, because we've had this amazing conversation even ahead of getting started. But I am so excited to have one of my newest connections join us on the Thriving Equine Professional today. And she truly is thriving. She is working and representing a program that I strongly believe in, uh, pretty focused on the veterinary medicine field. So Katie Thomas, I am honored to have a little bit of your time today. I know that you are massively busy at this point in time. Some people get to take a little bit of downtime over the summer, but you have not. Uh, so we're going to talk about the many programs that you are involved in and managing and also working on a PhD, et cetera, et cetera. So we will uncover a few of those things. But Katie, I want to start with kind of the beginning. So our listeners are really interested in our evolution of how we have come through the equine industry and what our role is now. You are currently the director of graduate programs at the Lincoln Memorial University, Richard A. Gillespie College of Veterinary Medicine. And that is a mouthful, but also that is how you and I met. So I was putting together the next gen equine vet med program that we conducted in Lexington in March of this year. And you were the first to raise your hand, Katie, and say Lincoln Memorial University believes in this. We're in, we want to support the students who have an interest in pursuing veterinary medicine. So you and I just met in March, March 25th to be exact. And we hit it off even before the event. And then we met and we shared a few meals and have been connected ever since. So I was pretty insistent to get you on the, the show and in front of our listeners. So thank you for being here. 
Happy to be here. Yes. Let's take our listeners through kind of how you got to this role as director of graduate programs at LMU. You, uh, you and I've talked, you have a hunter jumper background and also probably my favorite part is your hunt club experiences. So give us the early Katie story. Yeah, so um, thanks so much for having me on. I'm honored to be here and speak to your audience. I grew up typical middle-class family. My parents were not horse people, but they recognized that I was in love with horses from a very young age. There's a home video of me at a zoo and my parents, you know, were filming me at the petting zoo and, you know, I just kind of take off and go around the corner and disappear. And my dad's following me kind of frantically and he comes around the corner and there's this big police horse standing there and I'm reaching up and touching the police horse. And I think it was very obvious from early on that I was horse obsessed and uh, they did what they could to support my passions. We bounced around. My dad was in the Navy. He was a pilot. And uh, so we lived in in Florida, uh, Jacksonville and Key West. And then he moved to, he took a job with GE and moved us to upstate New York from Key West, Florida in the middle of February. And I don't think my mom has ever forgiven him for that. But uh, when we moved there, they started uh, they started me in horseback riding lessons, and um, I could just never get enough. And uh, he, after GE, he took a job with FedEx and moved us to Memphis, and I got even more involved there. He sold his boat to buy me my first pony. Thanks, Dad. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. And then from there, it just it kept growing. You know, I just did, you know, little local shows, nothing that would ever put me on any kind of national radar. You know, just I think I've heard it referred to as kind of the farm league. But, you know, it's those kind of like grassroots horse organizations that, you know, keep the uh, professionals in business. You know, it's us that spend money on, uh, you know, what we find in the Dover catalogs and shop on Smart Pack. You know, it, it takes all of us to make the horse industry what it is. And so I was just always more of a consumer of the horse industry. I just grew up with, you know, the short stirrup route, children's hunters. I started fox hunting when I was in middle school. I had a little Connemara pony named Topside and he and I were pretty unstoppable. I had no fear and he never said no. So we got ourselves into our uh, a couple sticky situations, broke some bones, I broke in both of my collarbones, my wrists. Yeah, it, I've had many, many adventures on horseback. I absolutely loved fox hunting. Um, I was a whipper in for a couple of a hunt clubs, a staff member for a hunt club outside of Memphis. In college, I hunted a little bit with a hunt club outside of Jackson, Mississippi, um, and whipped in with them a little bit on my Percheron Thoroughbred Cross mare, Greta. Greta was my children's hunter, my fox hunter. And uh, when we got her originally, she was supposed to be a junior AO jumper, but um, I broke my collarbone and ended up hospitalized with a concussion. So my mom said, no more jumpers. It had to be hunters. You're going slow from here on out. So yeah, so that was, that's just kind of how I've experienced horses. And, you know, I, after undergrad, I decided that um, I didn't want to go to med school anymore. That had been kind of my dream was to go to med school. And I got to my senior semester or senior year, spring semester. So the semester that I was going to graduate from college um, and decided that 
I did not want to go to med school. And that was kind of shocking for my parents. And at that point, they decided that they didn't want to continue funding the horses. That was their right. It's their money. But uh, so I had to find a different living situation for Greta, because if I wanted to go to graduate school, I could not have a job and be in graduate school at the same time. It was one of the stipulations of the program that I was joining. And there was absolutely no way I could afford to keep her on a graduate student's (laughs) salary and stipend. Right. And so she now lives with equine assisted psychotherapy uh, nurse in Jackson, Mississippi, and helps uh, battered and abused women overcome the trauma that they've experienced. Wow. Greta's living her best life and I'm living my best life. And uh, for now, I just catch ride any chance I can get. And it is never enough. (laughs) Yeah. You know, my Instagram handle used to be uh, have saddle will travel. Um, Just tell me, tell me where to be and I'll bring my own saddle. But yeah, now I'm so busy that I probably wouldn't have time to to travel so much with my saddle. But any chance I can, I, I hop on a horse and I have really chosen a career path that I think keeps me involved in the horse industry and the horse world. And so I've made some really great contacts, still get to experience horses and and love them. So yeah. Fabulous. So many great takeaways there. And you you said the word connections, which, you know, is music to my ears. That's always my goal and objective. And you and I are a great example of that as we evolve through this industry. And that's what we both have such a passion for is really grabbing these young people who are interested in pursuing these careers and offering them connection. And of course, the confidence and the clarity that comes with building that community in and around the equine industry. And one thing that you are so passionate about, Katie, is what you call creativity in pursuing your passion, what to do if your dream changes or if you have to adjust your expectations. So you referred to that in transitioning out of pursuing a medical career and then pursuing graduate studies. So I want to hear a little bit more. I know that you are completing a PhD in the history of veterinary medicine, examining the relationship between wildlife conservation, epizootic disease, and veterinarians in mid-20th century America. That sounds really smart to me. That's a lot of big words. It is a lot of big words. So let's talk about your pursuit of your PhD. And it does support veterinary medicine. It supports equine, but there's so much more to that. Yeah. So kind of one of the things that led me to this project and topic, um, I started grad school. I started with just going for my master's degree at Mississippi State, and they have a great history department there, um, especially if you want to study the history of the environment or agriculture and um, medicine. I worked with some wonderful professors there and had the opportunity to um, serve as an editorial assistant for the History of Science Society's journal, which is titled ISIS. 
And while I was at Mississippi State, I decided that I did want to continue pursuing my PhD. And I was taking a class uh, one semester on the Anthropocene um, or Anthropocene. Uh, there's debates on how to say it. Some people think it's one and some th people think it's the other, but I'll say Anthropocene. And uh, without getting too much into the nitty gritty, just kind of dealing with this new era of climate that we live in, what it looks like as the weather is changing. And I decided that uh, this was back in 2016, I was going to write a research paper on how changing climate affected human health safety and what that meant for uh, environmental conservation and specifically how veterinarians interacted in the relationship between human health and the environment. I did not go to vet school. I have never worked in a veterinary office. I've worked with veterinarians closely. They've been my babysitters and my Bible study leaders. They've been in my employers. I was a, a nanny for some veterinarians when I was an undergrad. They've been some of my very favorite people. And so I was excited to learn more about what they did and the oaths that they take. And, and yeah, I just, the more I looked into it, the more I realized how important the veterinarian's role is in keeping our society healthy. And, you know, we all want to protect the environment as much as we can and conserve our resources wisely to make sure that there's, you know, beautiful spaces and, and healthy places for everyone in the future. As the climate changes, you know, some of those relationships, you know, change too. We live closer to nature now than we ever have before. And, the role of veterinarian, I think, is more important than ever before. You know, we've just crawled out of a pandemic where um, we had to deal with uh, a disease that, you know, jumped from animals to people. And uh, that's that's going to happen more often. The more people are in contact with nature and the more that we navigate this unfolding relationship between wildlife and people, the more those crossovers are going to happen. So I think it's just incredibly important that we understand how the relationship between humans and the environment was facilitated by veterinarians and how important their role is going forward. Um, it's an industry that needs a lot more empathy from people who consume veterinarian veterinary services. And I think there's a lot of potential for growth. And there are a lot of people, a lot of really smart people doing really smart things to make the industry better for everyone. Amen. Oh, you know, like, th and this is why we just connected immediately, right? So I think that leads right into the discussion Katie, in so many ways about exactly where you are right now and in a couple of ways, right? So you are at Lincoln Memorial University College of Veterinary Medicine. They're doing great things. I think they're one of the leading institutions that is meeting our students where they are going and they are continuing to evolve at a faster pace than many other academic institutions are. And then, but I also don't want to leave out because I got to come and visit you. I was like, I haven't been to LMU and I want to come visit. And so you were so gracious to host me uh, to come down there and see the campus and the vet school, etc. So you speak to the nature part. You're in that tri-state area. Give people a little bit of a vision geographically about where you are now. I'm an avid hiker and just love that area. It's so beautiful. And then let's talk a little bit about this LMU program, what you're doing. 
in regard to graduate programs and one undergrad, and then we'll we'll get into the EVEP after after all that. Sounds good. Yeah. So um, Lincoln Memorial University is located in the Cumberland Gap region. That's where Kentucky, Virginia, and Tennessee meet. The university itself butts up right against the uh, Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. So if you're a hiker and you enjoy um, mountain scenery, this is a great place for you. Uh, We're about two and a half hours south of Lexington and an hour and a half north of Knoxville. So a good day trip if you enjoy the bright lights in big city, but if not, you know, it's a slower pace of life here. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot of outdoor activities and a lot of calmness to the region. Um, So I thought Lincoln Memorial wasn't a place that I ever thought I would end up. But now that I'm here, I'm thinking, how could I end up anywhere else? This is literally where... um, wildlife, veterinary medicine, and community engagement are all happening. And I think that too is just something fewer people think or people don't think about as often, right, is how the thing that they feel like they're missing might actually be right in their backyard. They just don't know how to look for it. Now, I'll interrupt you there because that's one of your, my favorite quotes that you repeat is bloom where you are planted. And so what a great example of blooming where you were planted. You may not have decided you were going to be in that Harrogate, Tennessee, Ewing, Virginia, Cumberland Gap area, but you have certainly bloomed. How long have you been there now, Katie? We moved here in April of 2021. And when we moved here, my husband had taken a job at the university and my job was to finish my dissertation. And I found that that was incredibly difficult to do, uh, stay motivated and focused you know, in a new area where I didn't know people and I didn't feel like I had purpose. I was just kind of struggling. And so I, I made friends and I you know, started a little community and uh, a good friend of mine worked at the vet school and she said, you know, I think this might be the right spot for you. And if you give me some time, I'll work on finding a position that works well for you. And that's exactly what happened. And I've been here at Lincoln Memorial for a year now, um, working for a year. I started last July, so I can't believe it's only been a year. It feels like it's been forever, but I can't tell you how wonderful the community I've built here is. And it really has just been about finding your tribe or I shouldn't say tribe, (laughs) finding your people. Finding your people, finding your circle, finding your tribe. I think it is all the same thing. Depends on which language we are speaking with our tribe or our people or our circle. So yeah, I, I'm so I had to interrupt there. I just thought that was a perfect spot to throw in your bloom where you are planted because you are are such a shining example of that. Uh, so anyway, back to, we will resume normal programming. <laughs> Yeah, so um, Lincoln Memorial University, the vet school, is doing some really great things, I think, for veterinary medicine. The university as a whole is doing great things in trying to address rural medicine and career advancement for areas that, you know, like Appalachia, that may have not seen the same level of investment or development that other areas of the country have. So here in the vet school, three of the programs that I oversee are the uh, Master of Veterinary Biomedical Sciences program the Master of Veterinary Education Program, and the Master of Veterinary Clinical Care Program. So the VBMS program, the Veterinary Biomedical Sciences Program, is for those students who 
may have experienced a hiccup on their journey to becoming veterinarians. So maybe their GPA isn't quite as competitive as it needs to be to get into vet school. Maybe they've had to take a break from school and, you know, go to work for some time, but it really targets those students who know that they want to be veterinarians and have experienced some kind of obstacle to achieving that goal. Uh, it's a one-year program, and those students can um, come and take uh, a couple of classes like veterinary anatomy and parasitology alongside first-year uh, veterinary students. So, you know, they get to kind of experience the pace and the volume of uh, the professional program courses. And, you know, the master's courses that they take that are not at the DVM professional level give them a stronger foundation in a lot of those concepts that are required for succeeding in in the advanced professional program courses. The Master of Veterinary Education program is for veterinary educators. So those educators who work in vet tech programs or DVM programs, and it really is kind of a it is an effort to make veterinary education better. There's always ways to improve. That's not to say anybody's done anything wrong in the past, but you know, there's ways of improving and making it better and making it more inclusive and making it address relevant current issues that can you know, help expand veterinary medicine and education uh, for everybody. And the last program I mentioned was the Master of Veterinary Clinical Care, which is a wonderful program. I'll preface this by saying, you know, I'm not the first one uh to talk about this program, there are people far more qualified than me to explain the virtues and how exciting this program is. I'm not a technician or a veterinarian, but um, I can tell you what I've learned about the program and seeing the technicians that come through and knowing the faculty, they're all extremely passionate about making uh, the veterinary technician career path a, a viable option for people and um, advancing that career and creating a, a ladder for technicians to advance their career. So what the Master Veterinary Clinical Care Program does is it provides, you know, a stronger foundation in a lot of the concepts that technicians learn in a bachelor's program. And it kind of introduces them to some of the concepts that veterinarians use in uh, in their evaluation of patients. And so it's kind of a, an elevation of the technician role. And it doesn't currently lead to any advanced scope of practice, but for technicians who want to kind of work on claiming more of their space and demonstrating, you know, their ability to do the skills that they are already qualified and permitted to do under scope of practice laws. Um, it's a great option that helps empower them to, to make those claims in the workplace and advocate for the technician career path. Yeah, without a doubt, Katie, and I'm glad you finished on that program because we have all talked so much about this and it's such a tremendous example of how LMU is leading the industry. And so you mentioned at this point, it doesn't necessarily lead to those advancements at this time, but I think you're working through accreditation because it's the first of its kind. Yeah, yeah. So the program is uh, fully accredited at the university level. So there is no specific program accreditation for a Master of Veterinary Clinical Care uh, degree. But, you know, right now, uh, I think we're planning on graduating our first students this uh, this December. And I'm really excited for them to go out and show the world, you know, what they're capable of and how, you know, what they've learned in this program can really be a benefit to technicians and really advocate for technician career advancement. 
Yeah, I am so excited about those kinds of things because again, this industry, we continue to hear the word crisis and we know we're at a shortage of veterinarians and we continue to elevate the role of veterinary technician. All of these things is really what your program is providing conversations, focus, evolution of. And so I I just can't celebrate just how you're serving the industry enough. So now I know that there's also one more program under your scope as an undergrad equine specific program. So mention that before we move on. Yeah. So the Equine Veterinary Education Program or EVEP is an undergraduate program that was designed to kind of accelerate a student's pathway through undergrad and vet school. So a lot of people think that in order to become a veterinarian, you have to do four years of undergrad and then you do four years of vet school. And that's just not the case. A lot of vet schools do not require you to have a bachelor's degree in order to apply and start vet school. Some of them do. So, you know, you have to, you have to check each vet school's admission requirements and make sure, make sure that you meet those. But LMU only requires, I think it's 50%. You only have to complete 50% of your way through a bachelor's program in order to apply and be accepted to LMU-CBM. So the EVEP is a two and a half year undergraduate program. So students that are accepted do two and a half years of undergrad, and there are mandatory summer immersive experiences that are paid summer internships at horse farms and clinics across the country. And after that two and a half years of undergraduate work, they are guaranteed admission to the Richard A. Gillespie College of Veterinary Medicine. So um, if you or anyone you know is applying to vet school or has applied to vet school, you know that admission can be incredibly competitive, even though, you know, we have so many more vet schools now than we did, you know, even five years ago, there are more coming, coming up. You know, it seems, it seems almost every day we hear about a new vet school opening up, but it's still incredibly challenging to get in and you have to, you have to be a pretty competitive applicant. And so for students who know when they've graduated high school that they want to become equine vets, um, it's a great option. You do two and a half years of undergrad, you get an associate's degree, and as long as you've met the program requirements, there are a few benchmarks, and you apply to LMU-CVM, complete the VIMCAS application, and, you know, make all those, tick all those boxes, you're guaranteed admission. So that's just one less thing for you to have to worry about. So yeah, it's a great opportunity. And, you know, a lot of the clinics and horse farms that these students will work at over the summer, they make some great connections within the equine industry. And having those people in your corner and having those people be able to vouch for you really can make all the difference. So I think it's a program designed to kind of address the 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 workforce shortage in veterinary medicine, specifically on the equine side. It's hard to retain equine vets. There's a lot of burnout and a lot of exhaustion. And having these professional connections from the get-go allows graduates to demonstrate that, yes, we have these skills. Yes, they are you're going to have to pay us what we're worth. We have these skills and we have these industry leaders behind us vouching for us. So we've got student loans to pay off and we've got marketable skills that are in high need. So raise that pay rate and uh, and make, make a difference. <laughs> yes. 
Amen to that. And, you know, again, speaking back to my pillars, because this is why I love this program, clarity, providing clarity of where the industry is, how you can get to where you are going and the confidence to do that. But most importantly, that all comes from the connections and really driving these kinds of professional connections that we are starting to meet this student and support the student through a student to professional transition and really using that academic career time to meld them with the industry. And I think that's step number one. Step number two, you touched on our retention rate has to improve. And I firmly believe that, that yes, as an industry, we have many things that we can improve upon and evolve. But what it really comes down to in today's space, in my opinion, is connections, that we have to have the right people in our circle and understand that we can't do this alone. There is no veterinary technician or veterinarian or industry professional that can navigate this system without having a true support of mentors, champions, heroes, and the more people that we really start to build around us and understand the importance of that's the only way we're going to win this. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The EVEP, how long has that been in existence, Katie? Um, we just created it last year. We opened the application for students who want to start that program this fall. It opened, I think, last November. So we were a little bit behind in getting those applications open, but we are ex we, we've accepted our first students and they are starting the program this fall. And uh, we are so excited to welcome them. And we really, we really think they're going to make a big splash in the, in the equine vet world. Without a doubt, I am excited myself to watch that program evolve and just so proud to know you and to be able to at least just from the outskirts, be a little bit of a fly on the wall to see where it goes. So that's amazing. Now, two takeaways, you know, as I wrote down, knowing what little I do about Katie, but creativity and pursuing your passion, right? We talked a little bit about that. What to do if your dream changes or you have to adjust your expectations. Katie, you explained how that happened in your life. I know for both of us, it happens multiple times over our student to professional lives. And so what advice might you have for students who are facing a, a pivot, right? They're They've spent time, whether it's pursuing a career in the medical field, and all of a sudden their gut says, I need to pivot. This isn't where I'm going. What advice do you have for young people, for students, for early career professionals? For some of it, it happens in that first few years when we get out of school. Yeah. So one of the things that I just think that is crazy about our society nowadays is that, you know, you're expected to have it figured out and know what you want to do as early as you know, middle school in some places, there's career coaching and career trajectory planning for classes starting as early as sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And I sure as heck did not know who I was going to be uh, when I was 18 years old. I just did not. And my path changed 
several times. I thought I wanted to go to vet school for a very short period in high school and uh, decided that that was not going to be the career path for me. I thought, you know, maybe I'll take on human medicine. And I I was pretty invested in that path for a while. I was pre-med all the way through undergrad. And, you know, I was looking at at med schools, I was talking to um, deans and getting an idea of, you know, what I needed to do to be a competitive applicant. And it literally was making me physically ill trying to pass some of these, you know, I've never been a person who struggled to pass classes, but that spring semester of my senior year of undergrad, I, I was not succeeding in some of those advanced medical or pre-med classes. Actually, it was medical physiology. It was it was an actual med school class and I was not succeeding. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but it was making me physically ill. I lost a ton of weight just trying to study and stay on top of stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is not for me. I'm miserable. <laughs> I'm miserable and it's okay to pivot. I, you know, it was good that I figured that out then. I was in my early 20s. And if you'd asked me uh, when I started grad school at 21, if I would be working at a college of veterinary medicine when I was 31, I would have said, probably not. Like, I don't see that path forward for me at all. I thought I was going to be a professor teaching history courses. And it just, you don't have to have it figured out. It's okay. Take your time. Figure out who you are. Figure out what what makes you happy. Figure out what, what drives you, um, what your passion is. And that might line up with what you do from nine to five every day. And it might not, you know, there are a lot of things that I'm passionate about. Like, uh, I do, uh, trap neuter return for cats. And that, uh, that isn't something that I do from nine to five every day, but it's what I do after five. And a lot of the people that I know from my nine to five job, help me with my TNR work, you know, because veterinarians are incredibly empathetic and they always want to help and they're, you know, willing to roll up their sleeves and and do hard stuff. Um, that's why they're my favorite people. But yeah, just be creative and don't, don't put yourself in a box. You know, there are lots of ways to get where you want to go. And if, you know, you change, if your destination changes, that's okay. And it will. It will change. Well, I know I've said it in previous episodes, but sometimes the question for me is, what do I want to do when I grow up next? Yeah. It will change. Even as veterinarians and veterinary technicians, you're, what you bring to the table changes, how you serve changes, what segment you're in and, and specialization you have. That Those are things that this is an evolution and as cliche as it sounds, it is not the destination, it is the journey. And so I think that's hugely important. And your other words of wisdom are blooming where you are planted. And so I think you gave some really great examples of that, certainly. And I love to encourage our young people to do just that. I used to say, you can survive anything for two years, and you may not want to move. You may not want to take a role and move halfway across the country, but I will also challenge you to really consider it. Would it grow you? Would that be something that you can indeed do because you're in your early 20s and there's no better time to do something like that? Would it grow you? So really kind of putting yourself out there and challenging yourself to, like you say, bloom where you are planted. Any advice there? Yeah, absolutely. I think this kind of gets back to one of the conversations you've had with several of your guests and, and several of your episodes. 
you know, kind of the debate between fulfillment and achievement, right? I've gotten really into gardening. It's it's kind of how I decompress at the end of the day. And it, it really sparks joy for me to see those beautiful flowers that I've nurtured and watched grow. But growth doesn't have to look the same for everybody. And it doesn't have to be upward or visible to people. Putting down roots and developing a firm foundation, having a, a strong base are, are important parts of success and, and, a, and a happy life. So, you know, it doesn't always have to look like you're moving on to the next thing. It doesn't always have to look like you're making strides or moving up the ladder. Sometimes you can take a break and pause and enjoy the moment where you are and grow in ways that aren't maybe visible to everyone around you, but in ways that are meaningful to you and help you grow as an individual, as a person and help you grow and develop your sense of self. Yes. And Katie, we don't learn that until we've really almost been backed against a wall or into a corner and we're our head is almost underwater and, and it takes the right people in our most sacred tribe, our most sacred circle to really start to have some of those conversations. Absolutely. Yes. You know, you said growth doesn't look the same for everybody. And we are in such a time where especially we as women, we have to share that. And we have to start really having these honest and vulnerable conversations again to say, come on, girls, let's grow, let's grow together. And how can I help you? What can I do to support you in how you are moving forward? And so I think there's such wisdom there, certainly. Well, thank you. So, and I love that you share that. The other thing I want to point out to our listeners, Katie, is that we are, one of my objectives is highlighting the various careers in and around equine. And I think that is so important because for our young people, they think three or four things like, am I going to go into sales? Am I going to go into nutrition? Am I going to go into veterinary medicine? And you're a director of graduate programs within a college of veterinary medicine. That isn't exactly something that most of us think think about in those high school or college or even early career years. It wasn't a job that was visible to you to say, I may really bloom here. So I think speak to, again, the number of careers out here in equine once you start to spread your wings and open your arms and ears and eyes to all of the opportunity. Absolutely. So I, like I said, I grew up in your standard suburbia. And so my understanding of the world was you went to high school, you went to college, and then you became a doctor or a lawyer or a policeman or a firefighter. And, you know, there may have been some other like career options thrown in a veterinarian or something like that. But yeah, you don't really think of, oh, I, I think I'll be a director of graduate programs and that'll bring me into the into the horse industry. No, you just have to get out there and you have to have experiences and really find who your people are. And yeah, you just don't know that until you try some stuff. You know, I worked in retail. So, I, you know, I did a little bit of sales. I worked, I worked at McAllister's for a while. I was a nanny. I did, you know, I was a teaching assistant and I taught some courses at Mississippi State. You know, I've, I've tried a lot of different hats on and, you know, just take the opportunities as they come to you and, 
you know, don't, don't put yourself yet. Like I said, don't put yourself in a box. You've got time to figure it out. And, you know, things are going to change. Circumstances are going to change. Most of us will never be millionaires or billionaires. So we'll have to make hard choices about our time, energy, and money. When life is hard, it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It just could be a, a season. I'm in a busy season right now, but that doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. It just means that this is an opportunity uh, for me to grow, experience a little bit of stress and figure out what that says about me and how I can take care of myself better and how I can uh, just, you know, grow. <laughs> Yes. Passion and perseverance combined is grit and how important that is in our evolution. Well, and I also have to say, you know, speaking of those many jobs, last week's episode is Jody talking about how important it was for me to milk cows during my high school career. So, you know, the, the jobs that teach us the most are generally those that provide us with some real grit and like new experiences drive us to growth and aren't our forever job, but so critical at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we finish up here, Katie, share with our thrivers, I want to ask the question, what to the Jody Speaks life, my living inspired, fulfilled and empowered, you truly are representing that. What can you share with our listeners about in being inspired, fulfilled and empowered? What inspires, fulfills, and empowers you, Katie? Yeah. So um, I'm thinking about these in, in broad terms, but things that inspire me are people, people who do, who go the extra mile, who do, who take the extra step. I, like I said, I, I kind of work in cat rescue on, on the side and I see so many people who volunteer their time and energy and finances to do the same. Um, they foster uh, kittens. They, you know, spend their evenings out trapping feral cats and getting them fixed to reduce the overpopulation problem. I find that really inspiring when people sacrifice their free time, their limited extra finances and those kinds of things to try to make a difference in their community. I find that incredibly inspiring. Um, and it has motivated me to do the same. So I suggest if you haven't been following Kitten Fosters or any other cause that, that you're passionate about on social media, find those people who are out there at the grassroots level doing those things. I'm a consumer of social media. So being able to see those things helps inspire me to you know, take action. Things that fulfill me, things that bring me joy and help me feel like at the end of the day, I've uh, I've been the best version of myself that day. That may change. Uh, you go through different seasons, but uh, things that are fulfilling me right now, gardening, finding a way to uh, see little progress, you know, get get my fingers dirty, get some soil therapy in there and, uh, and really see something that I've been building and have a vision about come to life and create beauty. And then also being able to share those flowers with coworkers is special things that empower me. I think take time out of your day to just say something to somebody who made a difference for you that day. Somebody went the extra mile, acknowledge it, say thank you. I think some of us get caught up in the hustle and bustle and we forget to say thank you and appreciate how we're all so busy and we're all hustling. And so I find it empowering when people acknowledge that you know, I've made the sacrifice, I've gone the extra mile and it motivates me to keep doing the same. Um, it makes me feel seen and validated. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. So <laughs> take the time time to, to say thank you and acknowledge those sacrifices from other people around you. I think it helps build your community. It makes people feel seen and appreciated. And, and yeah, that, that's just better for everyone. 
Well, you empower me, Katie, and I am so grateful for your time sharing with our thrivers today. I am excited to continue our connection and continue to work together. So thank you so much. Now, I know that we will have some interest from our listeners today. So if there is some interest in connecting with you professionally, personally, how can we do that? Absolutely. So if you are interested in any of the programs I've talked about at Lincoln Memorial University, you can find me in their directory or you can go to uh, the Lincoln Memorial website, go to the Richard A. Gillespie College of Veterinary Medicine, and then there's a separate option for graduate programs. And we've got some great information about our graduate programs up there. And if you want to connect with me just personally, um, I am on social media. You can send me a friend request on Facebook or uh, on Instagram. My handle is categorically Katie. I've got lots of pictures of cats and dogs and horses on there. So uh, you know what my passions are. Thankfully, I don't take as many pictures of food as I used to. Uh, I've moved out of that phase. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy to connect with people and hope that, you know, whatever, whatever experience I've had can help people, you know, on their own journey. Fabulous. Well, I'll make sure that I drop your connections into our show notes for this episode. And I cannot thank you enough. Thrivers, you know how to connect with me. Find me on LinkedIn first and foremost and join our Thriving Equine Professional group on LinkedIn and also connect with me on my website, which is www.jodyspeakslife.com. So it's J-O-D-I speakslife.com. And with that, thank you, Katie Thomas, for joining us today. And Thrivers, we will see you here same time next week. Have an awesome day. Hey Thriver, I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, I'd be so grateful if you hit that share button and send it to your tribe so they can thrive too. And while you're there, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so everyone can find the show. I love to know what keeps you listening, especially if I'm at the barn with you. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Cheers, Jody.